Boy, oh boy. It seems no matter what mountain range in North America you go to, there are some truly horrifying stories to be told. Welcome back to the swamp, my friends. It's good to see you made it back for another video. Today, I'm going to be sharing some creepy and allegedly true Adirondack mountain horror stories. As always, if you have some stories that you would like to share in a future video, whether it be from a mountain range or somewhere else, please be sure to submit your story at swampdweller.net or the email you can find in the description down below. I'd love to share your stories with everyone here in the swamp. It's stories like yours that help keep this show going. Now, sit back, relax, and enjoy these creepy and allegedly true Adirondack Mountain Horror Stories. Anybody who has ever camped up in the Adirondack area of upstate New York knows just how breathtaking and beautiful it can be any time of year. Last year, I stayed up with my family in a cabin that rested up in the mountains. I had recently split up with my longtime girlfriend, and it seemed like a wonderful place to go clear my head. At first, my theory was correct. It was therapeutic and beautiful being out in nature and was nice spending some time with my family. One of the really nice things about this cabin was that it was truly separated from any other resident. The closest cabin or campsite was probably at least a mile or more away. This meant we had total and complete privacy. Or so we thought. One late afternoon, probably around 5pm, we heard some shuffling coming from the front of the cabin. We were sitting on the back porch and heard some movement that sounded like footsteps. A little on edge, my brother and I got up and got ready, just in case we needed to leap into action. Suddenly, two middle-aged men walked into the back where we were sitting. I asked in a very abrasive and annoying voice, Hey, what are you doing? Can I help you with something? The men just looked and laughed and said in a cheery voice, Why, hello there, young man. My name is Lewis, and this is Tito. We just really wanted to check the view at this place. We have heard so many wonderful stories. The man seemed nice. But something just did not seem right to me. I still looked at them with an uneasy feeling in my stomach. But my mother, who is a very friendly person, made small talk with the man. Perhaps the most unsettling thing of this entire interaction was the friend named Tito, who was just standing and looking around at the house, with seemingly no facial movements or anything. Lewis was charismatic, smiled a lot, and made lots of eye contact, where Tito was almost the opposite. After several minutes of just random small talk, they vanished back into the woods. I was not a fan of this at all, and quickly let my family know about it. Where were these guys coming from anyways, I thought. As I stated previously, the closest place was probably more than a mile or so away, and that place belonged to the guy who owned the cabin we were staying in. So, Louis and Tito must have been hiking for a little while to get to our cabin, which is not unlikely up in the Adirondacks, but something was off about the entire interaction. It bothered me all night. Around 11pm, my family went to bed, and I sat around a fire with my brother and his fiancée. Every little noise I heard caused me to jump, 
My brother told me not to worry about it, and I was just worrying too much and to get over it. I pretended everything was okay. But really, I was still uneasy about our unwelcomed visitors. Shortly after midnight, it was just my brother and me around the fire. We decided to let the last few logs burn before we went inside. This is when Lewis decided to pay us another visit, but this time he was not so friendly. My brother and I jumped out of our chairs. We were now facing Lewis and Tito, who were coming out of the woods. They looked absolutely crazy. Lewis did not have that same charming personality as before. His eyes were bulging from his head, and he flashed his pearly white teeth in an almost sadistic type of way. Tito, who was almost a statue earlier in the day, stood next to Lewis, also smiling and slowly approaching me and my brother. Lewis started to slowly approach us and said, This cabin really is lovely. I think we'll be staying here now. He reached into his bag to pull something out. Tito, who was slightly behind him, was already wielding some sort of bushwhacking sword. Not trying to take any chances as to what Lewis was pulling out of the bag, my brother decided to tackle the man. He went down with relative ease. As Tito approached my brother with the sword, I ran over and pushed him, strictly only using adrenaline as my motivator. Both men got up and backed away slowly. Lewis now standing about 10 feet away, he kept saying, You have no idea who I am and who you are messing with. I built this house. This is my land. After repeating this a couple of times, Tito finally spoke up as well and said in an almost robotic voice, We shall have our land back. We must wait for the right time. Tito grabbed the shoulder of Lewis, and they both ran into the woods. Remember, this is midnight in the woods, so it was pitch black other than a soft orange light coming from our fire. We put the fire out rather quickly, and went inside the cabin, and made sure all the doors and windows were locked firmly. My brother and I stayed up all night basically watching the property, and making sure they did not return. I have never been so happy to see the sun in my entire life. The next day, we went to see the property owner and told him about it. He said he had never heard those two names before and assured me that no Lewis ever built the house. The owner, who we are renting the cabin from, told us that he built the cabin 10 years ago. So, who were these two men that claimed they built the cabin? The owner was kind enough to refund us the rest of our nights, and we got out of there. It definitely isn't the worst encounter by any means, but it was absolutely terrifying to go through. You never know who's going to be creeping around outside, so be sure to always stay safe and lock your doors. This one started out as a regular night. Three of my friends and I went out into this Adirondack mountain shelter that we called the Addy. It was maybe about 500 feet into the wood lot at the edge of our dorm parking lot. It is basically a small lean-to shelter built out of logs with a metal roof and an open front. It is a spot we had been going to almost every single night for several years to smoke weed before bed, and sometimes even during the daytime. Occasionally, we would see some strange things that we could not quite explain, like random lights off in the distance of varying colors disappearing and reappearing in no consistent pattern. The woods were several acres deep in that direction, and it was a rural area with family-owned agricultural fields at some point past the forest. 
You could walk for probably 30 minutes in that direction and still not be out of the woods. This night, we saw the same lights, and they often are accompanied by an uneasy feeling, like there's static in the air. Granted, I know every time we saw these things we were smoking, but I don't really get all that paranoid when I smoke. But I digress. It was a trend, and I was not the only one noticing them. Anyway, this one night, all of us were feeling uneasy and hyper-aware of our surroundings, trying to finish up our bowl and go back to the dorm. Then, suddenly out of nowhere, there was a huge crash on top of the metal roof of our addy. All four of us happened to be sitting in a small circle inside the corner of the shelter of the floor. We all were getting terrified and grabbed each other, ducking as close as we could to the floor, expecting the shelter's roof to collapse in on us. It felt like a huge tree fell on top of the shelter. A moment later, when the shelter had held strong, we all shakily looked around. We all quickly decided to get up and get back to the dorm as quickly as we could. It was night, so we could not see very well. So, we were leaving, but all our hearts were racing, and we were too shaken up to stay and investigate. The next day, we went out during the daytime to see if we could investigate and see what happened. We looked to see if there was a tree that fell and there were no downed trees around the addy and no fallen branches large enough to make the sound that we heard. That was something terrifying to discover. I tried doing some research to see if anything weird happened out in those woods or in that area of the Adirondack Mountains. Previously, as I have stated, I have had several unexplainable experiences there throughout the years. I found out that there is an old fort about 15 to 20 miles away from where we are and there's a big ambush involving Native Americans way back during the French and Indian War, where many Native Americans and French died. I always wondered if any of the paranormal experiences in those woods were related to the Native American spirits that previously called those woods their home. I'll never know for sure, but it is an interesting thing to think about, and something I'll never forget. This happened to me and a close friend. We are both 23-year-old males. This happened just last month. We decided to go on a two-night backpacking and camping trip in the Adirondack Mountains of New York. We are both extremely comfortable with nature and spend a lot of time camping, hunting, fishing, etc. We hiked about five miles into a small lake and set up camp on a small beach. This was not a heavily trafficked area, and we did not expect to see or to run into anybody else. Our first night there was just us sitting around the fire. We saw a flashlight moving on the other side of the lake at around 10.30. This was unusual. However, we did not think too terribly much of it at the time. But as time went on, this flashlight kept moving around the lake getting closer to our campsite. We kept discussing who could possibly be wandering around the woods in the middle of the night, and we did not particularly want an unwelcomed guest. Once it was clear that the person, or people, was heading for our campsite, we moved off into the woods nearby to see who wandered up. I took a small axe with me, and my friend had a 22 rifle. Now, we were not expecting trouble, and we certainly did not want to make any, but we figured we might as well cover our basis. Now, the moment of truth. The flashlight comes near the light of our fire, and it is just one lone man. He has a beard and is probably in his mid-forties or so. The scary part was, is what he was carrying. 
it turned out to be a pump-action shotgun. He walked around the campsite a few times and then proceeded to enter our tent. After rummaging around for a minute or so, he came out and started yelling. I know you're out there. Why don't you come and say hello? My friend and I remained motionless under a hemlock tree about 50 yards away. That is when the man proceeded to fire his shotgun into the woods, not too far from where we were sitting. He also swung his flashlight around several times. After what felt like hours, he grabbed my friend's backpack and a few articles of clothing we had drying off near the fire and threw them in to burn. My friend, who had his 22 trained on the man the entire time, asked me if I should shoot. I told him not unless he spots us and starts to point the gun in our direction. Thankfully, the man moved off from where he had come after a little while. We waited until his flashlight was on the other side of the lake, ran out, grabbed everything we could fit in my backpack, and took off. It was now around 2 or 3 a.m. at this point. We ran out the trail with flashlights and made it back to our car as the sun was coming up. We immediately went to the police department and reported it, where we also spoke to some forest rangers. That was it, really. I have not heard anything back from the police. It was not mysterious. However, it creeped the absolute hell out of us. At the time, I was a 20-year-old female, and I just moved down to a small town all alone in upstate New York. I had grown up in another, slightly larger town about 60 miles north, and just wanted a new start. I love camping. I often go camping in the Adirondacks, but at the time I had not made any real friends, so I was not going to go into the real deep woods alone. Down the road from me, I had been walking around and found an area where the power lines cut through a wooded section. The power lines are perpendicular to the road. It was near a house, but far enough to the right of the house where I thought people would not mind if I walked up the trail that the power lines make. I'm not sure about other countries, but in the United States, they keep the power lines clear in case maintenance is necessary. So I wander up there. I noticed how the woods were pretty deep, and that I can get pretty far away from the house that I saw on the road that they could not possibly think that I'm trying to break in or anything. Suddenly, I get a great idea. I could go camping up here. It is secluded enough to give the real wood experience, but was close enough to the road that I could not be in any real danger of wildlife or anything. And plus, it's still in the Adirondack Mountains, which is my biggest goal of all. So, sweet, this is what I do. I set up camp in this little clearing that I assessed by climbing the hill, following the power lines, then turned left onto what seemed to be a deer trail. Deer are absolutely everywhere in New York, by the way. When I came upon this nice, flat, grassy clearing, I built my fire off to the side, after making sure to clear the dead wood, etc., I am feeling smart and independent. It was creepy to sleep in the woods alone, as I had always had at least one camping companion, but whatever. The next day, I decided to wander further down the path to see where it leads. I walk for about a half hour, and I can see some fields on the right, but they are in the distance, and there is a fence between the fields and the path. So again, I figure people cannot be mad at me going there. Then, I come across another path, heading to the right. I decide to follow it. A couple of feet in, it curves slightly and there is an old van on the left of the path. Well, that is strange. It's about 1pm, near noon anyway, 
broad daylight, birds are chirping, so I feel no danger. I go up to the van, which had obviously been there an exceptionally long time. It was 70 styles, made me think of a Scooby-Doo van, and it was way overgrown with weeds. There were streaks of brownish red going down the side from the bottom of the doors. I looked in to see what appears to be an old bed or some sort in the back, but it was all shredded. The curtains in the windows were all shredded as well, and the clothing was strewn about like it was from the 70s or early 80s. I felt no danger signs. Snickering at the terrible fashions back in the day, I continue along the path for a short time until I finish rounding the slight bend. I stop dead in my tracks. Finally, finally my reptile scent or whatever you want to call it wakes the heck up and starts screaming at me full volume. Up ahead there is this creepy ass doll hanging from the trees. It's hanging by its neck with a rope not just stuck in the trees, just to the left of that, there is an old garage, overgrown with weeds. To the right of it, though, there is this huge cage-like structure, easily big enough to hold a full-size man. It seems to be made up of pipes and other long metal objects, just kind of welded together in some sort of haphazard way. Some were up, some were down, some were across, and the squares they made up were not big enough to fit my head through. Not that I tried. It had four sides and a ceiling. It had other creepy dolls hanging from it. It also had reddish-brown stains running down the sides, just like the van. Further behind it, there is a run-down house. Creeped out, I just turned and ran as fast as I could. I am not a runner. I am a chunky girl. I had smoked for six years at that point, and I do not run. But I ran that day. I do not even remember the run. I just remember coming upon my campsite, grabbing my tent in one swoop as I ran past. Luckily, I had put my things into the tent, ripping it out of the ground as I continued running. I left my cooler, my food, all that behind, and I never went back for it either. I dropped the tent stake somewhere along the way. I had to repair rips in my tent and buy all new gear. I tore down the hill. I am still surprised it did not break my neck. I jumped in my car and sped home. I locked all my doors, then paced my house going, what the hell, what the hell, what the hell, for hours. It has been 11 years since that incident, and even typing it now makes my hands shake. I now live almost 1,400 miles away, but I still just made sure my doors were locked, and they are. Crazy thing is, is I'm not even in the deep woods anymore. Maybe in the 70s, people did some crazy stuff out there, I don't know. As it stands now, though, there are people living within a short walk of this place, and I don't know how or why nothing has been done about it. I did not call the cops. I cannot really articulate why I didn't. My best analysis, looking back, is that I did not want that creep to come find me. I should have. Yes, you are right. I am hoping that it was just an old crime scene and not some sick freak who keeps people in cages in the woods. Anyways, be careful out there in the Adirondacks even if you are in a more populated area. I found myself on an expedition deep within the forest. To be more precise, High Peaks Wilderness, which is an area within the Adirondack Mountains. I brought along a friend of mine who you can call Trailmaster, and another friend of mine called Nymph. 
These trails are endless. It's a beautiful mountain range, filled with mile after mile of dense forest. The true definition of beautiful and dangerous. After hiking for most of the day, we must have traveled just under three and a half miles. Trailmaster found a good spot for us to settle down for the night. A slight breeze blew from the northeast as the sun was on the verge of setting. An estimate of two and a half hours of daylight left. Trailmaster, set out to gather wood and nymph, went to collect water from a nearby creek. I worked on setting up our tent for the night. Suddenly, Nymph came running back to the camp without the canteens and the sound of her panting followed by her dropping to the dirt to her knees. It left me in awe for a second. Believe me when I say I've known Nymph, and it is unusual for her to be panting that loud and freaked out. Are you okay? I did my best to calm her down while trying to get answers. What's the matter? I asked her, just as Trailmaster returned with a bundle of sticks. What's wrong with her? He asked. That is when Nymph told us the story. Sia just arrived at the creek and found a good spot, just as she was filling the canteens. The cliché sound of a twig snapping not far behind her was heard. The sound she believed was originating from the other side of the creek. She brushed it off as an animal probably spooked by her presence and kept filling the canteen. Then she heard it again, except the sound was louder and much closer. What she heard next was an audible grunting sound, the type a male white-tailed deer might give. The feeling of dread washed upon her. She suddenly felt as though she should not be there and that she needed to get out, quickly followed by the sudden feeling of being watched. It made her extremely uncomfortable, almost to the point of being disoriented. She rose to her feet and took a few quick steps back and then she saw across the creek, obstructed by trees, only a pair of antlers and what looked to be like legs hind legs followed by loud grunting. She thought it could have been a deer. Her better judgment kicked in, and she thought to herself, what deer is not afraid of being so close to a human? She ran back to the camp when the grunts became louder and started to sound almost threatening. Are you sure? Trailmaster asked, with a hint of uncertainty in his voice. Nymph did not even answer him, instead shot him a cold stare. It was most likely a deer, are you afraid of a deer? said Trailmaster. I, on the other hand, will give Nymph the benefit of the doubt. Nymph, even in her current state, could describe what she saw, heard, and felt. It was her senses and a gut feeling that made her run away. Trailmaster opted to go look at the area where Nymph had previously been. Nymph was reluctant. She would not go back, so Trailmaster set out alone. Nymph stayed at camp with me, who was debating on whether we needed to relocate our camp. I needed a report before the decision could be made, though. When Trailmaster arrived in the area of the creek where Nymph had been, this is what he observed. Footprints, which were most likely Nymphs, headed in the direction of our camp, and empty canteens on the ground. On the other side of the creek, there were prints resembling an animal, perhaps a deer. The only problem was the spacing of the prints and how something about them appeared to be missing. A deer typically walks on all fours. Upon closer inspection, Trailmaster came up with the conclusion that this deer had been walking on his hind legs. The prints formed a trail, 
The trail seems to have emerged from somewhere in the woods and continues for a few meters and stops at the opposite edge of the creek. They then turn around and head back in the direction they originated from without overlapping on the original set. Trailmaster later admitted it did spook him a bit and he too felt uneasy. He arrived back at camp a half an hour later with our filled canteens. Even if we wanted to move, it would be nearly impossible as the sun had already began to set. Fast forward two and a half hours. Our tents were pitched, campfire lit, and dinner served. We decided that it was best for one of us to always be awake until first light. It was just too dark to move now. My tent was only a foot away from Nymph's tent. There was a good reason for that. Trailmaster's tent had been closer to ours. The perimeter of our camp was set up with a trap, so that if someone tripped the wire, some tin cans and fishing line, primitive but effective. Nymph did not say much about the incident that night, and I do not blame her. She was still a bit shaken from the incident, though I would keep her safe. Trailmaster's findings at the creek only raised uncertainty. Thinking about what Nymph saw, what Trailmaster found made me uneasy. The darkness around us, followed by the eerie silence of the woods and the uncertainty of what was out there, was unsettling. The sound of burning wood was the only sound loud enough to distract us from the faint sounds in the distance. The mind can play tricks on you at night, and that night, it seemed like a dark figure was always standing a few meters outside of our camp, beyond the reach of our fire's light. Every rustle in the bush was something trying to sneak upon us. Every sound has a source. It is exactly those sounds that makes the night in the woods so magical. Trailmaster and Nymph were asleep. I was on watch. The sound of crickets at night are absolutely nature's lullaby, which was having me on the verge of falling asleep, when suddenly, it stopped. I had fallen asleep while on watch. Nymph said that she had woken up sometime during the early hours of the morning, around 0400. She found both me and Trailmaster out. The air outside of the tent was filled with a putrid smell. She described it as rotting flesh that just seemed to linger. A weak old carcass already in the stages of decomposition. It was that bad, she said. Nymph, alarmed by the smell, woke both of us up. We obviously had not smelled anything ours before. I did a perimeter check and found nothing unusual. We did feel as if we were being watched though, which itself is an overwhelming feeling. The smell faded within the hour after we started to make some noise. It was only during the first light about two hours later we did notice it. Prince, from what I assumed to be a deer, just a few meters away. Trailmaster confirmed that these were the identical prints to what he had seen by the creek yesterday. It could have just been a random deer in the night, Trailmaster said, but I don't know if that's something that we can just let go of. The thing I found strange and unusual was the way these prints just seemed to pace back and forth horizontally and then head back in a vertical direction. Trailmaster said that they seemed to be missing a pair, once again, meaning it was just hind legs. From the looks of it, I must agree because these prints seemed odd. The prints were of a deer for sure, but what bothered us was the zigzagging pattern of the vertical prints, which were strikingly similar to how a human being might walk. Trailmaster was tempted to follow the set of prints which headed in another direction. Nymph was hysterical and had no intention of doing such a thing. 
She said the whole ordeal just seemed odd and downright creepy. A deer creature, weird prints, and not to mention the stench. Was this creature stalking us? I had no intention of finding out. I urged Trailmaster to forget about it and to just move forward. The third time is the charm. I told Trailmaster, let's not be around for it. We were on the move for most of the day, and Nymph still felt overwhelmed with dread. Trailmaster did not experience the same feelings, hence why he opted to go investigate the prince before. He seemed to be fine. Nymph admitted how she thought the creature was following us. I told her to stay close. I do not think that that was happening, but I honestly could not really tell you what actually was happening. Eventually, though, once we got closer and closer to the end of our hike, all the feelings of dread vanished as well as the feeling of being watched. The atmosphere felt lighter as we moved out of the area. Perhaps we were just in its territory, so it felt the need to make its presence known. We no longer felt threatened. Nothing else significant happened that is worth mentioning. But I, I do want to reflect on how we got lucky on that trip. Perhaps this creature decided to spare us. Maybe it meant no harm. We simply do not know. So many questions with so few answers. I am not 100% sure what it was. I don't know what we encountered. I have no idea what we encountered either. Though, one name comes to mind when I do research. And that's a Wendigo. I've heard stories about the existence of this creature from folklore. I have managed to remain a skeptic. But what we experienced out there, up in High Peaks Wilderness, is not something we will likely forget. Whatever that creature was, I would like to think that it's still out there, waiting for the next group of hikers who venture off the trail into the vast unknown. Be careful out there. Thanks for listening to these creepy and allegedly true Adirondack horror stories. If you enjoyed these stories, please be sure to hit that like button as it helps me out a ton. The more likes this video gets, the more YouTube promotes it in the algorithm. If you're listening on iTunes or another podcast platform, please give this a 5-star rating as that truly helps the show grow. If you're new to the swamp, why not join us? Hit that subscribe button and turn on notifications to never miss a new video as I upload them almost every single day on all things natural and supernatural. If you have a story that you would like to share in a future video, be sure to submit it at swampdweller.net or the email you can find in the description down below. I'd love to share your story with everyone here in the swamp. It's stories like yours that truly help keep this show going on a daily basis. I'd love to know in the comments down below what story tonight was your favorite. I'd have to say number four is probably mine. Something about pitting people in cages does not sound like a fun time to me, especially out in the middle of the woods. I am having a blast reading these mountain range stories. If you have a mountain range story, whether it be the Smoky Mountains, whether it be the Adirondacks, or something of those lines, be sure to send it in at swampdweller.net. I'm definitely going to cover some more mountain ranges soon. Thank you guys, as always, for supporting the swamp the way you do. I couldn't do this on a daily basis without you. If you want to support the swamp outside of hitting that like button and subscribing, maybe check out the merch store. I have t-shirts, face masks, hoodies, and more. If you're on the go and want to still listen to your favorite Swamp Dweller scary stories but don't have YouTube Premium, 
You can download them absolutely free from iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher Radio, and just about everywhere else you find your favorite podcast online. And like I said, it's absolutely free to do so, and always will be. I'll see you guys soon with another creepy video.